this morning, Acts chapter number 20, and uh, we've been uh, going through the book of Acts 20 for the last uh, several um, weeks now, and uh, looking at uh, church planning lessons from the Apostle Paul, and so Acts chapter number 20, and um, as you're turning there, I'll just remind you again of the previous lessons that we had here. Um, First was we looked at the um, method of Paul, and we saw what Paul did whenever he would go into towns, and particular in Ephesus, and how he ministered to people. He sought to have a profitable ministry. Um, he sought to have a public ministry, a personal ministry, and a peer ministry. That was his method. Um, we looked at, secondly, his mindset. Um, he, had, he came in with all humility of mind, the Bible says. Um, he had heart for the people. He was there with many tears and temptations. He was there at all seasons, and overall, um, he just wanted to help people, and you see that in his, um, just the way he, he carried himself, and the way he worked with people, and dealt with people, and that's something we could all learn from as we serve the Lord, and, uh, and then we're going to look at today, um, the last part, uh, his mandate, what he is telling them to do, and to carry on here, and so Acts chapter number 20, and uh, we're going to pick up In verse number 28 now, we're going to start at the latter half. Um, The Bible says there, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to this word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. And we'll go ahead and stop there um, this morning, and uh, we'll pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon this time here. Father, as we come to you, Lord, we thank you for your word and what we can learn from it. And Lord, I thank you from what we learn in the book of Acts and about uh, the Apostle Paul and how he served you, Lord. And aside from you, Jesus, um, Paul was the greatest missionary possibly that ever lived, and he did so much in your power. And God, we can learn from him and his example. Lord, help us, I pray, to see what we um, have recorded in your word, that we would open our hearts, open our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we jump fully into this, I just I want to share a thought here real quick and has nothing to do with this lesson, but as we're considering today and uh, Resurrection Sunday, um, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on the internet about uh, uh, you know the cross and, and it says it is finished um, all over. I've been seeing that all over the place. And uh, something that was interesting that really just got my attention, the, those three words, it is finished, I did a search in the Bible and those three words in that order only appear two times. In the Bible. And uh, the one time it appears is in the book of James, chapter 1, and it says, uh, Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And uh, were it not for Jesus Christ, that would be our sentence. Amen? But uh, that, that's what the law said. Sin, it is finished, it brings death, and uh, so forth. But Jesus came, and he came to undo that. Amen? And he said, it is finished. And so um, sin 
brings death, but because he said it is finished, it brings eternal life. And so I'm excited about that and um, just something to pray about, if you wouldn't mind praying for me about that, because uh, I'm looking to make a gospel tract with that. Uh, I don't make tracts often. I have three tracts that I've made, and, um, and I want to make one on that. And so be praying for that, because uh, it seems like the Lord just gave that to me the other day. And I said, man, this is something that people need to read, because as we were out there going to Chimayo and handing out gospel tracts and everything, people were out there doing stuff and one of the thoughts that kept coming to my mind was if they're doing this to get family out of purgatory if they're doing this to try to earn favor with God and so forth what they're saying is it wasn't enough what Jesus did on the cross but he said it is finished it was enough amen Jesus paid it all and so I'm thankful for that and so um, that's something that I want to make a tract for hopefully by next year that we could give out to people at Chimayo and have a cross on there and and that sort of thing and and say it is finished and and explain uh, when sin is finished this is what happens but that's why Jesus came um, to, to save us from our sins and to give us hope and so um, that has nothing to do with the lesson it's just something that just really encouraged me as I was uh, looking along and I saw these pictures and I started looking at my Bible and and I did a search, and I typed in in quotes, it is finished. And that's the only two times it's mentioned there, um, Book of James, and then there, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, when he cries out, it is finished. And so that's just a neat um, thought there. So Acts chapter 20, and uh, we're going to look here this morning at uh, <clears throat> the thought of Paul and his mandate. So just uh, real quickly, we're not going to go through all of this again, but Paul is addressing the church of Ephesus. He helped uh, um, plant this church, and uh, he has um, gone on to do other ministry, and now he is making his way back to Jerusalem. And on his way back to Jerusalem, he finds that uh, he is going there, and uh, the Bible said there that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide him. Paul had preached to Gentiles and Jews for the first two-thirds of his ministry, but he hadn't preached to kings yet. And God said that he would preach before kings, and so he knew that the last part of his journey was going to be to preach to, to kings and to leaders and to dignitaries. But in order to do that, in order to get to those people, he had to be imprisoned. And let me just ask us this real quick. For us to do God's will, are we willing to do the hard thing? Now, that's what you see Paul doing. He has, he has to go to prison and suffer in order to fulfill God's will. Now, everyone likes to hear about God delivering and God opening you know, the, 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 um, the, the Red Sea and knocking down the walls of Jericho, and everyone loves those stories, but we don't realize that sometimes God puts us through hard things the rest of our life in order to fulfill his will. And that's what Paul was doing. He was going through some hard things and he said, none of these things move me. It doesn't matter what they do to me. It doesn't matter how they persecute me. I'm going to go and I'm going to finish my course with joy, is what he said. And uh, as, as he uh, went on, um, the, the people said that uh, they were crying over him because he said that he would, they wouldn't see his face anymore. But he knew he had to do the hard thing in order to fulfill God's will. And so he's about to, to now depart. And so he gives them some parting words about keeping things the way they had been given to them. And, you know, it's one of the things Paul told Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And uh, Timothy was the pastor of this church. And so Paul told the pastor 
You need to keep things the same. He's standing before this church, and he's telling them, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be killed. You need to keep things the same. You need to watch out for false doctrine and those that would creep in and change things. And so he's giving this mandate um, to keep things the same. This is a very simple statement, but I've heard it through the years. Um, things that are different are not the same. It's a simple statement, but it's so true. Things that are different are not the same. Um, you know, my, my mother, um, she used to work, uh, she's always been an accountant. She got a chance to meet her. She just retired a few months ago. So first spring break we had, she's out here enjoying her retirement. And it was a blessing to have her up here. But uh, she, she worked for UNM for um, 22 years. And she worked in the accounting department of several different colleges within the university. Would get them out of the red and into the black and all this kind of stuff. But before she worked as an accountant, she worked at banks. And she learned how to tell the difference between a counterfeit and a real dollar bill or hundred dollar bill. And what they would do is they would get them and they would train them on what a dollar bill looked like in a ten dollar bill, a five dollar bill, even a two dollar bill, which believe it or not, most people don't even know what a two dollar bill is. I heard about a person who went to the mall the other day and they tried to pay with a two dollar bill and the person said, what are you trying to do, give me this fake money? And they called the cops on him and said they had counterfeits and all this and the cop, um, he had to call his supervisor to make sure that um, a two dollar bill was real. It's just, it was unbelievable that people don't even know what a two dollar bill is there. But um, she, had a, she had trained in a one dollar bill, two dollar bill, five dollar bill, $10 bill, 20, um, 50s, and hundreds. And they would study what a real bill looked like. And they studied the, how it felt, um, you know, just the texture of it, the thickness of it, how it would bend, all these different things. Uh, they would uh, study the different markings on it, and they had these different ways to tell uh, with just the different markings. It was before they digitized them all and all that kind of stuff. Nowadays, they have a little metal strip in them, but before, they didn't have that. So she had to know what they looked like based upon the truth of what was real. And as a result of that, anything that came through that didn't meet that standard, they knew was a counterfeit. And when we consider doctrine, we need to be so well-versed in the truth that counterfeits, we understand what they are, we recognize that, and, and we know to, to shun those things. And sadly, I know a lot of people that they focus so much on studying the counterfeits that they lose sight on the truth. Uh, let me say this, Jesus is the truth, amen? We need to study the truth and get to know the truth. And, and yes, I understand we need to know our enemy, and I understand sometimes you have to expose the, the lies. Um, sometimes a false a doctrine creeps into a church, has to deal with those things and expose those things. But the simple fact is this, that we as God's people should be so well-versed in the truth that anything that passes by ought to throw up a red flag and say there's something wrong here. And so Paul is admonishing this church, hey, you need to stay with what is right. Again, uh, things that are different are not the same. And so how do we learn from this mandate? Well, it's going to take a few things here, and uh, we have to understand. Uh, the first thing is this, that he was committed to the gospel itself. See, and that, that's a big thing there, because I know a lot of churches, they get committed to growth. They get to, committed to numbers. They become committed to programs and, and all these different things, and their commitment to um, really a physical blessing supersedes their commitment to the gospel. 
Now let me say this, a church, whether it's 500 or 5 people, if it's preaching the truth, it's just as important, regardless of the size. And I'm thankful that uh, our church understands this here, uh, and so forth, and I had to learn that in Taos. And one of the things I learned was this, that um, success isn't numbers, success is obedience, amen? And what are we to obey? We're to obey the Great Commission, and the Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so Paul had that commitment to the gospel, he said there in verse number, we'll just pick up in verse 21, just re reiterate this. He said, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see him, he's committed to preaching the gospel. You go down to verse number 24, but none of these things move me, referring to the and afflictions, the persecutions. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. What? to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so he was committed to preaching the gospel. That was where his commitment lied. Nothing was going to change. He wasn't going to waver on preaching the gospel. I mentioned this last week about Paul. You know, he was a tent maker. He had to work and so forth. And understand that sometimes preachers need to work in the ministry. And there's nothing wrong with that um, when they do that. And they have to feed their families. Amen. The Bible says that if uh, you don't provide for your own, um, that you've denied the faith. And worse than an infidel, that, that's biblical. If you don't work, neither should you eat, the Bible says. And so I understand that is a biblical principle. And, and preachers need to take care of their families just like anyone else has to. But Paul didn't let his work get in the way of his ministry. He was committed to the gospel. I've seen this time and time again. In fact, a very well-known teacher on leadership was once a pastor. And he was a pastor, and he had a large church, and he wrote this book about leadership. And that a lot of people in the business world were interested in his book on leadership and he quit the ministry to go out and teach businesses about leadership and, and that sort of thing. And, and I look at that and I say, man, where's the calling at? Uh, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So where's the commitment to the gospel? Um, yes, you may have to work in the ministry, but it shouldn't be the main thing. The main thing is the main thing and that's fulfilling the command of God. And so Paul was committed to preaching the gospel. All the other stuff was peripheral. His main goal was to preach the gospel. Not only that, but he had a course to finish. Again, verse number 24. He says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Every single one of us, when we got saved, were put on a course for the Lord. God has a course for every single one of us today. Everyone. Um, God has a plan for us. God has a will for us. God has a direction for us. And, and my course isn't your course. And your course isn't my course. And, and sometimes I think we kind of get confused with, with our courses. And because God leads us to do something very specifically, we expect everyone else to do exactly what He leads us to do. Now, there's some given things that we all should do. We should all read our Bible. Amen. We should all pray. Um, it was, uh, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon that said, someone asked him once, what's more important? Read 
reading your Bible or praying, he says, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Amen. And they're both important. We need them both. Amen. That's something all of us as God's people should do. All of us as God's people um, should be faithful in church. Amen. All of us as, as God's people should be um, faithful in sharing the gospel. All of us as God's people. He says, be holy for I am holy, saith the Lord. All of us should seek to, to live a holy life before the Lord. There, there, there's some given things that every single one of us um, need to follow. If you're saved, you should be baptized in, in a local church. Amen. And if you're part of a local church, you should be involved in all the different things that are going on and not forsaking the assembling and, and so forth. And, and we should be involved in, in, in what God has put before us. But there's some very specific things that God may want me to do that he may not want you to do. And there are some very specific things that he may want you to do that he doesn't want anyone else to do. Let me say this. Those things aren't going to conflict with the general things that God wants all of us to do. Amen. God's not going to make us contradict his word. Amen. So we need to do what we're supposed to do. And God will give us very specific things to do outside of that. But Paul's ministry was to go and to preach to those kings. And he knew that he was going to have to go and be persecuted. No one else is going to be able to fulfill that course. That was his course that he was called to run. I want to ask us here this, this morning, do we know what God wants us to do? I mean, honestly, do we know what God has for us? We just, sometimes we just kind of go through our life, um, just you know, from here to here to here, kind of letting life happen to us. Um, we, we need to live intentional lives for the Lord. We need to know what God wants us to do and then do what he wants us to do. One of the things I tell the students all the time in school, you know, first thing, set your goal cards, set your goal cards. And that's one of the big things that I'm having to, to push them through is to set their goal cards. And, and they say, why do we got to set our goal cards? And I always tell them, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. And I'm always telling them these motivational quotes. If you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. But sadly, a lot of Christians don't have a, a, a finish line in their mind and they don't have a finish line in their heart and they, they haven't aimed for nothing and they kind of just go from here to there just letting life happen to them no we as God's people all of us have a calling on our life God wants all of us to do something very specific for him are you doing what God wants you to do now that doesn't mean everybody's going to be a preacher or a missionary um let me say this uh, raising a family is a very important thing amen providing for a home is a very important thing i mean th those are extremely important things and i'm not trying to say everybody needs to to be in the ministry but uh you know as far as like on staff and and all that but everybody has a ministry every single one of us do and so what is our course today paul said i'm going to finish my course and despite the persecution, despite the bonds, despite the afflictions, despite all the pain, he said, I'm going to finish it with joy. He didn't cross that finish line complaining to God how hard he had it. He, he didn't finish that line. He didn't cross that finish line saying, God, why did this happen? And why did I have that problem? And, and why this? And why that? And all these things. And if anybody suffered, it was Paul. But he said, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish with joy. It's interesting, you read the book of Philippians, and he talks about that writing from a prison cell, about to be killed for the faith, and he said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, he had the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. He walked with God and had the joy of the Lord, and he was able to finish that course with joy. He didn't finish it with sorrow, he didn't finish it with an uncontent spirit, he didn't finish it complaining and, and, and crying and whining, he finished it with 
joy. I get to serve God. No matter how hard it is, I get to serve God. After all that he did for me, I get to serve God. That was his spirit there. He finished it with joy. So as you look at this mandate, he reminds them he's committed to the gospel. He reminds them he has a course to finish. He reminds them that he gave them the counsel of God. Again, you look at verse number 27. He says, For I have not shunned to, to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Then he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Because he gave them the word of God, he now tells them to watch out for some things. The therefore is there because of what he had given to them. He had given to them doctrine. He had given to them truth. See, you understand this here today, that doctrine does matter. It does matter. When we consider the Word of God, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You think about that. For doctrine, that's what's right. Um, for correction, um, what's wrong. For instruction in righteousness, how to, how to keep it right. Amen. You see that there. He, he's very um, adamant about the truth of the Word of God and the doctrine. He knows that there's going to be some people come in that are going to try to change things. And it happens. And it's sad that it happens. I've seen it happen in churches. Uh, you know, I've seen it happen even with people that I went to Bible college with. I'm going to say this, and it's a sad fact. More than half the guys I graduated with are no longer strong in what they believe in. More than half of them. I see them on the internet, I see them on Instagram and Facebook and all these places, and they're showing all the stuff they're doing at church and all these things and their stuff, and they're, they're dropping standards and, and doctrine and all these things and everything they could do just to build a crowd, everything they could do, just whatever it takes to bring them in. That, that's the mindset they have. And I often wonder, did someone come into that church and start leading them astray uh, you know, enamoring them with the idea of numbers and, and so forth? Or were they just really um, already messed up as it was and it just time told and revealed that they weren't as strong as they said they once were? I don't know, but whatever it is, I'm seeing guys, you know, my age that I would not feel comfortable having them preach, um, inviting them to this church here and saying, why don't you come and preach for us? Pastor, would, if I, I know Pastor, I know the direction he wants to go, and, and he wouldn't want them to come in either, just seeing the things that they're doing and the type of programs that they're having and so forth. And it's sad to see that people are, are just going by the wayside when it comes to doctrine. What we believe matters. It's extremely important. And as you look at these things here, Paul says, I gave you this counsel, literally. Counsels, you know, you think about counsel, you know, you go and get counseling from a pastor. You go to a person, you seek their advice, and you trust their, their wisdom, and you take their advice. At least that's how it should be. I know a lot of times people go to pastor, and they seek counsel, and really they're just asking for permission because their mind's already set. And pastor may give them counsel contrary to what they want, and then they don't take it. It shouldn't be that way. Hey, man, if you're going to go to get some counsel, take heed to that counsel. Amen. And so they gave them the counsel of God, the, the wisdom, the direction, the truth of God. And then he warns them to take heed because of people that are going to come in, and they're going to try to change things um, regarding doctrine. And so you see that it's extremely important. And Paul was very adamant about this. You know, one time um, I had an instance where th there was a, a church that had compromised in, in a lot of ways, and, and, and the pastor 
had kind of I had talked with him and about the the, the compromise and and so forth and and uh, just you know trying to what's going on here why why are you changing direction and this and that and and why are you stuff into the church and and taking the church to here and this and that and you know he was a friend of mine and wanted to seek counsel from him and I I told him you know Paul said you know take heed and I showed him this verse here. And then I told him about Romans chapter um, number 16, where the Bible says, Mark them which cause division um, contrary to the doctrine which ye have received, and avoid them. And I said, the Bible says we're to mark those that cause division contrary to the doctrine which ye have received, and avoid them. And I said, you're, 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 I'm marking this person for you. Um, you need to avoid them, brother. And he said, well, Paul never um, was hard on churches to, to, to you know, be so separate, is what he said. And he says, you, you read the rest of the letters of Paul, and Paul's just full of grace, and, and he has no, no reprimanding at all. And I began to read every single letter of, that Paul wrote. And in every single letter Paul wrote, Paul addressed either a false doctrine or a false teaching. In every single letter that he wrote, and I called the preacher back, and I showed, what about this verse, and this verse, and this verse, and this verse, and, and this verse, and, and, and so forth, and, and to make a long story short, um, the, the preacher ended up giving heed to some of those things and changing direction, and I praise God for that, but it was because of what the Word of God said here, and so you look at this, though, you consider these things, um, there is false doctrine, counsel from the Lord has been given, in Valley Bible Baptist Church, and pastor wants to continue the same and give it to faithful men who, who shall be able to teach others also. And that's part of what, us wanting to go out and, and plant churches in these rural areas all around these, this uh, part of New Mexico. I mean, it, it, I'm still so burdened for this area. And, and I'm looking at the student body, and I'm looking at these um, young people, and I'm thinking, is God going to raise up some preachers out of this place to go to that place over there, praying that God will do that? I'm trying to give them um, what I know um, needs to be given. Um, I know what pastor wants to give, and the gospel and the direction and trying to train those young people that they could go out and do that same work because it is important what we have in this church and what we believe is unique compared to most churches around this country it truly is we have a special church here um, that preaches the truth and and gives sound doctrine and we have to understand that counsel has been given from the lord and so we need to make sure that we take heed because of that and so we see here that um he was committed to the gospel. He had a course to finish. Um, the counsel of God was given. And the last part of this mandate was this, that he wanted to continue the gospel ministry. And that kind of dovetails into this. But again, look at verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And then he reminds them again, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one night and day with tears. And so he, he is concerned about them continuing. And then you read in verse number 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And so you, you see here he's 
warning them of these false prophets, and he gives the idea that people are going to come from the outside, and people may rise up from the inside. That was the two dangers there. And the thing is, when someone comes from the outside, it's easy to spot them. You know, who's this person? What are they bringing in? That kind of stuff. But when someone rises up from the inside, that, that's a different story because you know them, you like them, you love them, you trust them. And they start changing things here and there. And so that's why he, he made the statement as you look at verse number 28 again. Take heed therefore, look how he says this, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Who are the yourselves? We look at verse number 17. It says, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. This was the leadership of the church. And he says, take heed unto yourselves, leaders, and to the flock of God. And so he, he wanted to make sure that the leadership understood that we need to keep things the same. And we can't be doing our own thing, trying to draw away people here and draw away people there. And I've seen that happen in churches, and it's sad when the church splits over things like that. And a lot of times it's because someone raises up from within that does things a little different and causes um, problems that ends up making people go crossway um, with the pastor, and he takes them unto himself. And that's a horrible place to be in. And if they end up going out and starting another church, that church is unscriptural. It shouldn't have been started that way. It's not right. It's not of the Lord um, to, to split a church like that and and so you understand that uh, we need to be careful with these things because people could rise up from within that's why everybody needs to be committed to, to the word of God and to the doctrine of the Lord I used to tell this to our people all the time at Taos um, whenever I was a pastor there look at it if I say something that contradicts this book this book is right more than me as a preacher even though I'm ordained and sent out and I'm a pastor, and all, if I say something and it's against this book right here, this book is always right. It's always right. And sadly, we, we live in a generation, or I've seen a generation of preachers who have this mentality, touch not the anointing of the Lord to the sense where you can't ever um, call out a preacher for their false doctrine and so forth. And, well, he's a preacher, and look at how big their church is. How could we dare say anything against him? Because look at all that. And if it's unscriptural, it's unscriptural. Amen? It is bottom line. And so we, we are accountable as leaders um, to the word of God. We are accountable. And I'm thankful. Let me say this. We're members of this church body just like you're members of this church body. And the Bible is the final authority. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And so we see that here um, with Paul. He's warning the leaders, but then he tells them um, that uh, they're to feed the flock, but they're to also give heed for the sake of the flock, meaning the flock is consuming um, that which is of the word as well. And so it is the responsibility of, of our pastor um, to, to make sure that we are being fed the Word of God and even to um, at times correct that which um, isn't of the Word of God and so forth. And, and you know, sometimes I, you know, pastor may say we shouldn't do this and this person does this or the, the, we're not a, a Calvary Chapel type of church or something like that. He's made that statement um, from the pulpit before. And let me say this, we're not. Amen. And what is he doing? He's trying to warn us. He's trying to keep us from eating um, some, or consuming something as a flock that we shouldn't consume. Things that come from other Bible versions and things that um, preach a watered-down gospel and, and false doctrine and so forth. He, he wants to, to warn us of those things. And so he's telling us, hey, you shouldn't be feeding on that. Uh, we, we have what we need right here. And let me just also mention this here. 
Before there ever was internet uh, ministry, which I'm thankful for internet ministry, before there ever was radio preaching, which I'm thankful for radio ministry, before there ever was cassettes and um, even back in the day, you know, um, albums and all that stuff and all these different, before there ever was any kind of media to get out the word, there was one way God got the word out. It was through the local church. That's where it was. And sadly, we listen to all sorts of other things, and our spiritual diet, um, only, only a percentage comes from here, from the local church that God ordained. God ordained the local church. He didn't ordain a parachurch organization. He ordained the local New Testament church that the head is Christ and God puts a pastor and he gives um, deacons within a church and there is a structure that that God gives he ordained the local church before there ever was any kind of media based ministry that's still God's plan just because we've advanced in technology in the last couple hundred years that doesn't stop God's plan from God's plan but sadly a reason a lot of people are wavering on their doctrine and even cause problems in a church is because they listen to this preacher here and this preacher there and this preacher and they're not even Baptists they don't even use the King James and, and all these different things and they're being fed their spiritual diet from all sorts of different people and there's confusion there there's confusion there. But before there ever was any of those type of ministries, there was a local, visible New Testament church. That's what God's plan was. And they didn't hop around from church to church either. They stayed put where they were at. And so you see there that Paul is concerned, hey, we need this thing to continue. There's going to be things that are going to come along your way that are going to cause splits and divisions. And he didn't want that to happen. He wanted them to stay in unity and in one accord, we can learn from the church at Ephesus because I do believe they did stay in unity. I do believe they did stay in one accord concerning doctrine. He tells them this in the book of Acts. But let's turn to the book of Ephesians chapter number 20, or excuse me, chapter number 4. Um, Ephesians chapter number 4. And he warns them. And it's interesting, as he's warning them of, um, of false doctrine, He's writing to a local church, and he expresses the gifts that God has given to a local church. Now, let me say this. Every Christian um, has a spiritual gift, but, but God gave specific gifts to churches. What are those gifts? Let's start at verse number 11. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, we understand apostles and prophets, um, when you read the Bible, that which is in part shall be done away with, um, and apostles are no longer part of, of the ministry of the local church. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that there were 12 apostles of the Lamb. That's it. There's 12. There's no more other apostles as far as, you know, being able to heal and divine revelation and all that sort of thing that they're done away with. Um, prophets, even. Um, we don't have prophets that can just have some extra revelation and stand up before you and say, thus saith the Lord and give something that's outside of this book. It's, it's, there's no prophets. They're, they're, they're done away with. The prophet ministry is done. But there are still two that are in effect. Evangelists. It says, and pastors and teachers, which they're, they're, I kind of combined them together. Um, you see that there. Um, he gave those. Those are gifts that he gave to the church. 
He gave a pastor. He, he, he gives evangelists. And Paul was an evangelist. He would go about and preach in the gospel. And he would um, see people get saved and establish a local church and, and leave a pastor there and move on and do the work. And, and you see the order there, the structure um, that God had placed. It. Those were gifts that were given. Why? Look at verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive us, but speaking the truth in love may grow up um, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so you see here, God gave these offices, these leaders, to a church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, body of Christ, why, till we all come together in unity, but of doctrine, that the unification was of doctrine there. And you see that there, that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And you see people, you know, this preacher says this, so they jump on this bandwagon here, and then this preacher does this, and so they jump on that bandwagon there. And I've seen, it's not preachers that are doing it, I've seen Christians do that, and they're always having something coming up, and, and all these different doctrines here and there, and they're, they're just, the, the craftiness of these people, and they're, they're not listening to their pastor that God gave them to feed them. They're all over the place, just like wind, just tossed to and fro. And that's not what God's plan is for God's people. So he warns them. This is the church of Ephesus. These are the people he's preaching to. But he gave specifically um, evangelists and pastor teachers there um, to help in that direction, to help enforce that. So how does that happen then? Well, he says there in verse number 12 again, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He tells them they're perfecting. That, that's to make God's people mature in the Lord. Now, now understand this. I, I've dealt with some people in, in, in years, and they've been saved for 10, 15 years. And they say, well, I'm still a baby Christian. And I, I don't get that. I, I have children that are 10, 12 years old. Now, are they adults yet? No. They, they still have immaturities. But they're not like Anthony, who's four years old. They're not like a newborn baby. They've matured in their progress as they've grown as children. It's my responsibility as a parent to make sure that my children are maturing and becoming young adults. And so it is in the ministry. God has given pastors to perfect or to mature the saints. And if you expect maturity out of children growing up through life, and let me say this, I still expect it regardless of what the world says. Um, you know, there's people that are 25 years old that are still immature and things like that. It, it shouldn't be that way. The, the world has, has messed up the home, and there's a lot of immature people who are entering into the workforce, and they don't know how to work. They don't know how to pay their bills. They, I mean, it's sad. And we're looking at that, this lack of immaturity, and, and I could look across this crowd, and, and I'm pretty sure you look at a lot of young adults today, and you're thinking, where is the maturity at? It's, it's hard to find mature young people. And we look at that and we say, there's something wrong. They should be mature. Well, let me say this. We as God's people, if we've been saved for any length of time, there, there should be some maturing in our spiritual life as well. And so God has given these people in a church to help mature 
God's people, to perfect them, the Bible says, to perfect them. Not only to perfect them, but it says for the work of the ministry. See, it's not just a head knowledge that we become mature, but it's also a hand knowledge. We, start, we learn these things so we can serve. Amen? We, we learn what we know so we could get involved in serving people. It's the work of the ministry. Amen? Paul told uh, Timothy, He that desireth the office of a bishop desireth a good work, is what the Bible says. The ministry is work. Amen? It's work, and it's hard work. It's, it's a different type of work. It's not a physical work where we can just go look at, at a piece of land, and, and you can see, okay, there's this line here. i got to dig a ditch. Okay, there's a rock. I need to get out the, you know, the pickaxe and try to get it, and it's just this physical work. You kind of figure out the problems. It's a spiritual work, and it's, it's stressful on the soul at times to deal with the, 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 the spirituality of people, helping them grow in the Lord and conquer sin and get victory in this and, 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 and being with them whenever they're hurting and, and helping Helping them and encouraging them. It's, it's a type of work that is beyond any kind of work on this world there. But God wants his people, all of us, to be involved in this type of work in the ministry. Every member should be some kind of minister in this church body. Every single one. And so he gives pastors um, to help us um, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the minister, ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, as I looked at that word edifying, it, it looks like it has the root there, edit, which when I think of edit... You know, I used to try to program, and uh, you have these bugs, and you go and go and edit your code. You find out what's wrong, and you make it right, and that's the context. I always looked at it as, but whenever you look at this, and, and I, I found a Spanish Bible, and I was reading it, um, the word is edificación, um, and that, that means building. It's different than correcting. It means to build up. And that's, that's the idea of building. And it's interesting because he says that the edifying of the body of Christ. But I'm just going to just read this to you um, because I, I don't want you to turn back there. We're, we're um, running low on time. But he says in Acts 20, verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you um, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That's what he told them, that I'm giving you to the Lord because the word of God can build you up. And so he's telling them here um, for the edifying of the body of Christ to build up. God's body here, the, the local church here to, to build us in the Lord. And so that is his, um, his uh, mandate to the church, and we can learn from these things here. And so let's uh, apply these things. Let's seek the Lord. Let's help us. Uh, let's ask the Lord to help us that we would be committed to the gospel, that we would finish our course, that we would take heed to the counsel of God, and that we would continue in the gospel ministry. And that's how we can continue, by the, by the perfecting of the saints, by the work of the ministry, and by the edifying of the body of Christ. And so with that, We'll go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, as we come to you, Lord, we thank you so much for your word and how rich it is. And God, I pray that you'd help us to see the principles that are here, God, that we would apply them to our lives and to our ministry here, and that we would all seek for a ministry that all of us would be involved in the work of the ministry, that we would all be perfected and matured, and God, that we would all be edified and built up in Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. I believe Pastor is probably greeting some people, so we'll take a short break and you are dismissed. So.